Content in this episode may be graphic or triggering. Please take care while listening. Attention all true crime and mystery lovers. Are you tired of reading the same old detective stories? Well, look no further, because my book, The Case, is here to satisfy your cravings for a thrilling and suspenseful read. Follow my journey as I unravel a complicated homicide case while almost losing my own family in the process. The case has twists and turns at every corner. You'll be on the edge of your seat until the very end. But don't just take our word for it. Crime and Cookie Juice followers everywhere are raving about the case. They can't get enough of the clever plots and intriguing characters that keep them guessing until the final pages. So why wait? Purchase the case on Amazon today and experience the excitement for yourself. Trust us, you won't regret it. Attention all true crime and mystery lovers. Are you tired of reading the same old detective stories? Well, look no further, because my book, The Case, is here to satisfy your cravings for a thrilling and suspenseful read. Follow my journey as I unravel a complicated homicide case while almost losing my own family in the process. The case has twists and turns at every corner. You'll be on the edge of your seat until the very end. But don't just take our word for it. Crime and Cookie Juice followers everywhere are raving about the case. They can't get enough of the clever plots and intriguing characters that keep them guessing until the final pages. So why wait? Purchase the case on Amazon today and experience the excitement for yourself. Trust us, you won't regret it. Attention all true crime and mystery lovers. Are you tired of reading the same old detective stories? Well, look no further, because my book, The Case, is here to satisfy your cravings for a thrilling and suspenseful read. Follow my journey as I unravel a complicated homicide case while almost losing my own family in the process. The case has twists and turns at every corner. You'll be on the edge of your seat until the very end. But don't just take our word for it. Crime and Cookie Juice followers everywhere are raving about the case. They can't get enough of the clever plots and intriguing characters that keep them guessing until the final pages. So why wait? Purchase the case on Amazon today and experience the excitement for yourself. Trust us, you won't regret it. Welcome back to the Crime and Cookie Juice podcast with your host, Detective Chris Anderson, and my partner, Attorney Fatima Silva. <laughs> and guys, it's a little bit early for us, but we still took a little time to pull out a couple of bourbons that we're going to talk we about. still poured a little something. But, but we're sipping lightly. Very lightly today. It's very, very light day. Guys, listen, I got to offer up something really, really quick. I have to give you an apology. We had a little bit of a glitch with our website, and I will have the pre-orders for my book, The Case, up by March 1. That's the deadline that I've set. March 1, the book pre-sales will be up, and it'll be up for sale on April 1st. So, guys, y'all, get out pre-order the book for me do me that favor just pre-order the book i guarantee you it's a page turner at least oh, that's yes, what i'm hearing sure. from you wait <laughs> no it is so it's not on our website right now it is not on the website right okay now. it'll be march 1st just, just a couple when it of days comes to technology we always need people to do these things for us so. right <laughs> we do yeah. shout out yeah, that's absolutely right well we're excited then for march 1st Side note, how cool has it been to watch Encore episodes on the OWN network? 
man that is really really cool it's different you know it feels it yeah. feels a little different but it's it's really cool to see well one uh, we're going back so far right i'm not so far we're going back to previous seasons and i'm i almost forgot some of these things it's like i'm watching it again for the first time but also i'm fangirling because i'm just such a huge fan of oprah always have been since i was a little girl i remember four o'clock I would be home from school and I'd sit on that couch with my mom. We'd watch Oprah together every day. Probably was not appropriate for my, some of her episodes. Honestly, I remember some and they were intense and emotional. And I was probably like 11, 12, all the way up through high school. I was watching it with mom. It was such a bonding experience for my mom and I, even my cousins would come over. They knew at four o'clock we were watching Oprah. So to now have our show, airing even encore episodes right that is just too cool for me it's too cool guys and y'all gotta tune in thursday nights from 8 p.m on up to almost what 12 o'clock at night right yeah and then but then i fell asleep and when i woke up it was like 1 a.m and it was rerunning again right so that was pretty cool yeah that's cool guys y'all tune in to the oprah the own network to see your favorite host myself and my partner fatima silva own the own network with Reasonable it's, Doubt reruns, guys. And y'all support yeah, us in that part. They've been doing it the past few Thursdays. So I think mm-hmm. we have two more Thursdays left. And then, yeah, you never know where it'll go from there. But know. the yeah. own network is, I mean, it's really cool. It's its a lot of black and brown folks. So we're mm-hmm. very proud to be on there. And yeah. it's just exciting to see old episodes and to go back and people want updates now and all of that. I mean, we were watching the Glenn Simmons episode the other night and a little update on that. I mean, they are going right now. There's a parole packet being sent. We're trying to get him paroled. He's got an attorney on his case who's stayed in communication with me. And I mean, exoneration is always the goal, right. but that can take so long. We've explained to you the process and the burden that that takes to to get an exoneration. And in the meantime, what we're trying to do is parole people, get them out, get them free, get them home with their family, and then continue the fight. And Glenn Simmons is one that has been in for so long and his co-defendant, as many of you know, he's been out for years. Mm-hmm. And so there's just no reason Mr. Simmons is still behind bars. And so his attorneys are advocating right now with the parole packet and getting ready for that. And so we'll keep you all updated. But yeah, watching those episodes is a good reminder to let folks in on some of the updates, and I know we tend to forget that, so maybe we'll have to dedicate a whole episode to that soon. Yeah, I, I would love to do that. And I'm finding that we, we're we picking up some new fans of the show, people that didn't realize right. that we were on the ID network. I got a few emails, and I wish I had their names in front of me. I would give them a shout-out, but I got a couple of emails uh, of people that didn't know about Reasonable Doubt, and now they've seen it on the OWN network, and they're picking it up, and they're watching it, and they're, yeah. they're, they're interested in it. They didn't even know. Well, total different audience, right? I mean, ID is is, is just crime. And Mm -hmm. so you get a network like OWN, they have everything on there. They have these reality shows, they have different things. And so for people who may not be into true crime necessarily, but they're into watching justice and these kinds of cases, I think it's really cool to have a new audience and new fans. Yeah, I'm getting new followers too and people with a lot of questions. A lot of people are saying, oh, where's the show? Where do we watch it now? Okay, it's still just rerun. Sorry, y'all. Until we get picked up again, we're working on it. Right, but we're working on some stuff. Today, we have a, a major case to talk about. I think major is an understatement. I wish there was yeah. another word for this. Today, Chris and I are going to be talking a headline case. 
we waited some time to talk about this case because the trial's been going on. I've been wanting to wait until the defense starts their case. And mm -hmm. now we're finally there. We're going to let you in on what case this is. I'm sure you've heard it all over the news, but you are going to get some different opinions based on how Chris feels about how the trial's going in the case and then me as a defense attorney. But before we do that, Chris, I know you poured a little something. So quickly, what are you drinking? So tonight, guys, I have a new bottle that I don't think we've had on the Crime and Cookie Juice podcast before. This is called Monkey Shoulders. Monkey Shoulders Monkey is shoulders. a, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is a blended Scotch malt whiskey. Blended in Scotland, 100% malt whiskey made for mixing. This is for your mixed drinks, guys. It has floral aromas blended with zesty citrus and fruit, along with subtle hints of honey and spiced oak. Guys, mm. Monkey Shoulders is a very, very good bourbon, especially if you're mixing drinks. Where are they located? So I, I'm pretty sure it's blended in Scotland and shipped to the U.S. Scotland. Yeah. I love there a good go. mixed one. Mm -hmm. So I've got a bourbon from the San Francisco Distilling Company, and I'm liking this one. So it's 49 Mile. It's a bourbon. 49 Mile has matured in the rolling hills and coastal fog of Northern California. Yes, we have plenty of fog here. Um, it's been aged for seven years. This premium bourbon has a rich vanilla and charred oak aromas with full-bodied butterscotch flavor with strong oak notes. So, you know, I like this one because it definitely has the vanilla, mm -hmm. the, this rich vanilla and butterscotch flavor to it. Right. So it's, it's not too spicy. It's more on the sweeter side. I really like it. Aged for seven years. That is, I think that makes a really good bourbon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds so, like it. And it's no, not it, expensive. It's like $45. I mean, some of these bourbons are really expensive that yeah, we get. And they, they um, I mean, I want to support and get good bourbons, but I I mean, $45 is, I'd say, pretty good. That's a good yeah. bottle of bourbon right there. You know what makes me so jealous is that you guys can walk out of your doorsteps and then find a brewery right there next door to your house. <laughs> Whereas me, I have to travel all the way up to Kentucky or somewhere like that to get a good, good bourbon uh, or go wait, to wait, a distillery. Wait, wait. I'm sure Alabama's got you. OK, so you're talking like bourbon distillers. You're not saying like, breweries. Yeah, like bourbon distillers. Yeah, bourbon distillers. No, okay. We got some great uh, uh, beer distillers here. Yeah, Absolutely I know you great. got beer yeah. But, uh, you know, my husband would love if we, I know, if we once in a while made this a beer podcast. Instead. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> and I would have plenty of product for that because <laughs> everyone my husband is a craft beer nerd when we first started dating it was really fun and many years mm. ago almost 10 years ago and now i'm just like okay this habit has become very expensive <laughs> ipas get really expensive so beer is not much cheaper and and bourbon at least yeah it's more expensive but it lasts longer yeah. so I've got a bottle of bourbons that I've had for a really long time. I've got a bottle of bourbon that I've had. I know it was aged for 10 years and I got it probably 10 years ago. And that's why we like the cookie juice. You that's right. It. Just you savor it all. Just savor it. All right, flavor. guys. So the time has come to let you know the headline case Chris and I will be talking about today. It is going on right now on every news station. The Alec Murdoch case, hmm. the Murdoch family. Now, some people refer to him as Alex. He actually refers to himself as Alec. So we might go back and forth. It's interesting. Everybody calls him something different. But that's the case that's going on right now. I know you've heard Murdoch on the news. There's a Netflix series out. 
some of you may know a lot about the case. Some of you just may know a few details. It There is a lot involved in these cases. And some of you might be wondering, why is this family, why is this case so popular? Yes, it is really interesting because there is a man who is being charged with killing his own wife and his son. So obviously that's going to be one reason that this is interesting to people and they want to follow who in the world could do something like that. We see it on the news every day. But I think it still blows our minds anytime a parent is being charged with killing their own child. Spouse, eh, I mean, unfortunately, that's very common. And we know you can you can go from really loving someone to really hating them. But when it comes to your own children, it's just different. And it's difficult for us to fathom that. But it does happen. So Alex Murdoch right now is currently on trial for the double murder of his wife, Maggie, and their son, Paul. Both were shot and killed on June 7, 2021 at the family's property in South Carolina. Now, a little bit about the Murdoch family, for some of you who don't know, they are a very powerful legal family in the low country region of South Carolina. And from 1920 to 2006, three members of the family consecutively served as solicitors in charge of prosecuting all criminal cases. So that's basically like a district attorney. And so they were the head DAs prosecuting all criminal cases in the state's 14th Circuit District. So that's a very powerful, known family. They're also very feared in the community because of this legal power. And now for other reasons, because one of the reasons that this case is all over the news and you've been hearing about this name for many years now is not just based on these murders that happened in 2021. It's the connection of the family to other deaths and scandals as well. So here's a brief background as to other deaths that the Murdoch, Alec Murdoch and the Murdoch family are connected to. In 2015, Stephen Smith was a young man that he was found dead in the middle of the highway. And it appeared that he might have been hit by a car, but it ended up being ruled a homicide based on his injuries. Now, the rumors were around that time that Buster Murdoch, uh, the oldest son of Alex Murdoch, and and this young man may have been in a relationship and that Buster killed him. But despite these rumors, just rumors, the case went cold fairly quickly. It went cold about a month after this young man's death. And it's recently been reopened based on a lot of information that law enforcement's been getting since doing all these other investigations. So 2015, You don't hear much about a month later, and now all these years later, it's being reopened and reexamined to see exactly who was involved in this this sad crime. Then we jump to 2018. So that was 2015. Then 2018, the family's maid of 20 years, Gloria Satterfield, she allegedly fell down the stairs outside one of the Murdoch homes. The claim was that she fell, but in addition to a head injury, she also had two broken ribs, which was very suspicious to law enforcement. In this case, Alex Murdoch, who owned the home, he sued himself on behalf of the Satterfield family. He told them, we'll get the insurance money. I never knew that. That, that, is, that is. Yes, you did. I did not know that, that you can sue yourself and get your insurance company to, to pay mean, the fines. I mean, it sounds or, crazy, uh, but I know, you, I know you know what it is. So let me explain. Yeah. I, so. You have you have an insurance. Do you have an umbrella policy on your home? I do have an umbrella policy on my home. Good job, partner. Yes. Everyone listening, if you own a home, get coverage for your home. Make sure you have an umbrella policy and you can Mm -hmm. add an umbrella policy 
to your home, you can add it from your automobile insurance. Mm -hmm. So make sure you have really good automobile insurance that can cover yourself or somebody else if they're driving your car negligently. And then on top of that, for not a lot extra, you can add an umbrella policy. And what that's going to do is if somebody's injured on your property, you are covered. And this can happen. I mean, in addition, if you're injured on your own property or something happens in your home, you're covered and you can replace that. But this is also for people who may come on your property. And in California, there are these different laws where even if somebody's breaking in and they're injured on your property, they can sue. So basically, it's good to have an umbrella policy. It covers a lot. And I can talk about this forever because I've actually defended people in criminal cases and their umbrella policy covered my fees as a criminal defense attorney. That's a whole nother conversation. It's really Mm -hmm. interesting. But the point is you're filing for the settlement or an insurance claim. That's what he did here. And he told the Satterfield family, I'm going to get money, obviously, for what happened to your mother because she fell down these stairs. Perhaps there was something wrong with the stairs or something with the property that caused her to fall. And so he does this and he does get a settlement of like $4 million. And then he keeps it. He allegedly keeps all of the money and doesn't give Gloria's family any money. And they don't know for years. They're just waiting, thinking the case is still going on mm-hmm. because Alex is a lawyer. And so he works for his family's law firm. It's been in the family for generations. And it's not just um, criminal work, but it's civil litigation. And so they're just trusting him to handle everything. And then once he gets the settlement, they'll let them know. Well, they had no idea the case was settled. He received millions and pocketed it. This is allegations because I think they're still investigating all of this. But something that was fishy also is, and we like to talk about this when sometimes you notice a spouse is been murdered and there was an insurance policy taken out fairly recently on them, right? That That's right. always a little fishy. So right. here, Alex Murdaugh had allegedly taken out an insurance policy on that property one month before Gloria Satterfield's death. So was it an accident? A lot of people don't think it was. No matter whether it was an accident or not, the family definitely did not receive any funds from the settlement because Mm. they have an attorney who's been fighting to get that. So that happens in 2018. 2019, Paul Murdoch. Now, Paul Murdoch is the youngest son. He is a a teenager and him and his friends go out on his boat for the night. Paul is very drunk and apparently, despite his friends pleased, he decides to drive the boat. This boat crashes into a bridge and 19-year-old Mallory Beach is ejected from the boat. Her body is discovered eight days later. She has blunt force trauma to her head and she drowned. It was so tragic. It's him and all of his friends. His good buddy's girlfriend was Mallory Beach. And apparently they were all supposed to be out having fun for the night. Paul got too drunk and this is the result of that evening. Mm -hmm. He does end up getting charged for driving the boat under the influence for her death. And at the time of his death in 2021, he was still awaiting trial in connection to that boat crash. So the family was really hoping for some justice in that case. But Paul is sadly murdered alongside his mother. They're both murdered in June of 2021. They're discovered by Alex Murdoch later that night. And then September 3rd, which is a few months after the family's murders, 
Alex Murdaugh is fired from the law firm that his family ran for generations, and he's accused of stealing over a million dollars from the law firm. The next day, September 4, 2021, a few months following Maggie and Paul's murder, Alex Murdoch, now the dad, is now shot in the head on the side of the road while fixing his flat tire. He suffers an entry and exit wound, a skull fracture, and a minor brain bleeding in two places. Yeah. So now if you live in South Carolina or you live in the South and this news is coming out, it's like, what in the world is happening? Mm -hmm. This it, tragedy keeps hitting anybody close to this family or any everyone in the family. And now he himself has been shot in the head. Makes you wonder if somebody is out to get the family. But by September 15th, I mean, like a week later, authorities revealed that Alex actually arranged his own shooting. They allege he attempted to arrange his shooting deaths for his surviving son, Buster, to receive $10 million in life insurance. And then Alex himself admits to the scheme and that he hired basically one of his old clients to come and shoot him. Now, all within the next year, Alex Murdoch has been charged with the deaths of his son and his wife, as well as numerous financial crimes, including forgery, money laundering, computer crimes, breach of trust. I mean, you name it. He's being accused of a lot. And he has been on trial now since January 23rd. So, Chris, today, both sides have officially rested. Defense is done with their case and so is prosecution. Tomorrow, it's anticipated that it, they're going to have closing arguments and then they're going to get jury instructions and then the jury is going to go out and they're going to begin their deliberations. So what are you thinking? Which way do you think they're going to go? You know, I understand that there's no direct evidence that points towards this man and his guilt, but that circumstantial evidence is so overwhelming. I just believe that they are going to find him guilty of this case. And here's why. Mm. Alex is in the background of the video that his son takes at 8.44. The prosecution believes that Paul and Maggie were killed around 8.49 because that's when both of their phones lock and they never reopen, even though they receive text messages and calls after this time, but neither one of them answer. Alex's phone is leaving the property at 9.07, so if the murders happened at 8.49, he should have heard the gunshots, right? He never reported hearing anything. Nobody would know that Alex was even at the property during that time had it not been for that video. Yeah, that video, that's probably their whole case right there because that's mm -hmm. where they're able to establish his whereabouts. Uh, he's just in the background of that video, right? right. His son is mm -hmm. taking the video of a dog and you hear Maggie, the wife, and Alec in the background. They're talking about their dog's got like a, a bird or a chicken in its mouth. And then we know that phone is found on Paul later after he's murdered. So... It just makes you kind of wonder, man, Alec, like if you did this, you really did not anticipate that your son was taking a video and you were in the background. Right. And it definitely makes sense that they believe what time they're killed because they are both apparently on their phones a lot. Right. And Paul was in the middle of a conversation with a friend because that's why he was taking the video of the dog. It was for this friend and he was going to send the video to his friend right afterward. Right. The friend never got the video. So the friend mm. keeps texting him like, hey, where are you? Can you send me that video? And so it's just unlikely that they right. were murdered an hour later or even 20 minutes later, considering the amount of time they were both on their phone and now both their phones have gone dark and, and right. locked at 849. And we know they're found just feet apart. 
So that part is really difficult to overcome. And how wouldn't he hear the gunshots? It's a rifle and a shotgun. Absolutely. And then it's not like he admitted that he was out there with the barn, because if I'm correct, he never told law enforcement that he was out there with his family during that time, no. right? That's, so that, that's the problem. The problem yeah. is he says that he has supper with the family mm -hmm. about seven o'clock, eight o'clock. He's on the couch laying down. He doesn't remember if he took a nap or it was just laying down watching TV. And then he decides he's going to go see his mom and dad. His dad wasn't doing well. So he's going to go see them. And he says he left. I don't know what time he says he left, but he's never out at the kennel with them. And mm -hmm. that is just we know it's just not true based on it's the not video. true because it, based on the video. And, and, you know, there, there are other small, small details about this statement that, that don't sit well with me as an investigator. Cause he says that he's at his parents' house for about 45 minutes. And then they learned that he was there only there for about 20 minutes, 20 minutes worth of time. You've gone through something like that. I'll give you that. But still, it does look bad when you look at all of the other points in this case that don't look good for him. It, it doesn't look good. So I'm the defense attorney here, but this part. You got to look at a case objectively and say, Absolutely. oh, my goodness, that doesn't look good. Well, he says he was at his parents for about 45 minutes. OK, reality is I think a lot of this comes from OnStar, too. He doesn't mm -hmm. realize, guys, technology today, technology is picking up everything. They, they spent so long talking about how many steps the phones were taking. Right. Mm -hmm. And and those steps kind of predict whether somebody's walking to the kennel area or back up to the property because it's a large property. But I mean, technology is tracing everything. It's just not a good idea to even end up in this kind of situation. So what happens is he forgets all about OnStar and somehow that's recording and tracing his car, where he's going and miles per hour. So why is he driving like 80 miles per hour at, after 9 p.m.? Mm -hmm. And it's a 45 mile per hour zone. Yeah. So now you are driving to your mom and dad's. It's mm -hmm. a little later than you said. And why are you driving 80 miles per hour? It just Perhaps. doesn't look good. Right. I'll agree with you. Perhaps, you know, he was trying to get away from the crime scene that he just committed. Oh, or yeah. he's really worried dad's not going to make it in the next <laughs> hour. I don't know. <laughs> I chuckle at this, but it's not funny at all. You know, we, we have a family. That's going to be traumatized. I don't know, existence. Chris. I got to say, sometimes, maybe I've just been doing this too long, but sometimes the mistakes that people make or the things they don't think about, it kind of is funny. <laughs> well, you know. Like, I mean, come on. Now, I'm not saying this points to guilt, but altogether, I can agree it's heavily circumstantial. And it's not just your normal circumstantial. These are things that are just strange behavior. They're strange things to lie about. It's extremely incriminating. So you either did it or you have the worst of luck when it comes to these little coincidences because it seems a little foolish. And he's a lawyer. I'm not saying all lawyers are smart, but you just got to anticipate a little more. I mean, between this and then setting yourself up to get shot in the head, my Lord, it just you, gets better and better. You, you, you spoke about coincidences, and there's another coincidence that oh, we have not even Oh, because I know you love mentioned. coincidences yeah, and you know, something. I, you know, coincidences in a homicide spells guilt to me. You know. And it's so <laughs> terrible. It's so bad. So many it's, people that we've helped that are innocent have just had some serious 
coincidences that you're like, wow. Not like this one. Not like okay. the one that I'm going right. to mention to you. Now. All right. Well, let, I'll let you finish. Why else do you think they're going to they're going to It's the you? ballistics. The ballistics um, says a lot about this case. There was uh, two separate types of firearm ballistics that was found and they had experts that came in to testify that the ballistics that were found on the crime scene were some of the same ones. They were also found on the family's farm where they had a like a makeshift type gun range out there. Range. Yeah, it was a gun range out there. So we talked about coincidences and finding bullet casings and projectiles that were also found inside of the family's ranch. You know, mm -hmm. that to me spells that the guns that were used to kill his family where he also fired on his gun range, too. Right, so, right. Unless somebody who knows the family really well or somebody else in the family, somebody who worked for the family, had access to those guns. That, that would be plausible if you didn't have all of the other evidence that points towards his guilt that him we talked about being, just a minute. Him being present on the property when they are presumed to have been killed, mm -hmm. it just it, that's really difficult to overcome. And there's this moment in the trial, too, where the prosecution asks him because he's basically texting his wife shortly after they're presumed to be dead or at the time of the murder. So mm -hmm. they think they're murdered around 849, 850, before nine o'clock. And after that is texting his wife. And I think he even calls her like two times. And he had said that he was calling to let her know that he was going to be going to his parents' house. And so when he leaves the property, the prosecution asks him, well, did you go by the kennel on your way out since she hadn't picked up the calls to let her know? And he's like, no, I just left. And it's neither here nor there, but you've just been calling your wife. She's not picking up. And so you're just going to drive off, but not stop by the kennel where she was and say, hey, I'm I'm taking off. It's just, yeah, I, I see your face. It's, okay. It's, All right. It's you know, it's just... Um, you know, I actually, I didn't know all this going into the trial, all, mm -hmm. all these small details. Yeah. What I believed when the trial started, because somehow this is what grand jurors were told by law enforcement to even get Alex Murdoch indicted to begin with. And there were rumors out there that there was blood spatter on the T-shirt that he was wearing right. the night that Maggie and Paul were murdered. Mm -hmm. Now... That I felt like, ooh, blood spatter, we know high velocity blood spatter. That means you are present when they are shot. So whether or not you killed them, you were present when that happened. And it would seem to make sense based on the way they were both killed. The way mm -hmm. that they were killed is horrific. If Alec yeah. did this, it is so awful. Paul is, and, and just a little warning for everyone because I'm going to get a little into detail, but Paul is... Shot once in the chest. This is his 22-year-old son. He's shot once in the chest with, I think it's, he shot with a shotgun. Mm. And, because there's a shotgun and a rifle used. I, I don't remember which one is used on each. But he's shot in the chest. And then he proceeds to, I think, try to leave the kennel area. He's, he turns around and he's trying to get out. And then he's shot from the neck through the head. And it's a close range. And they're saying that the gun was held directly to his head. Oh, and basically, yeah, it's awful. And so what happens is there's so much pressure once the bullet hits the head that his brain, his brain explodes out of his head and it lands down by his leg. And there's brain matter everywhere. 
tissue, his skull. It's a very grotesque scene. Mm -hmm. And that is something you cannot even imagine a parent could do to their child. It's so graphic. And when they're explaining it, naturally, of course, Alec Murdoch in trial is visibly shaken and crying and emotional. I would assume he would be that way whether he did it or didn't do it. It's just, it's an awful thing to hear about. So the idea that the person who actually shot wouldn't have anything on them, that's just not believable. And they had experts come in and say it's likely they were going to have blood spatter. They were going to have brain matter, a lot on them. Um, And then same with Maggie. She shot five times which is pretty awful because she's trying to crawl away at the same time that she's killed and also a lot of blood spatter. So initially to get the indictment, there was some kind of evidence. Apparently an expert had stated that there was blood spatter, high velocity blood spatter on Alec Murdoch's shirt. Now, if that's going to get there, that's either he's present or he's shot. Mm -hmm. So that's very incriminating. You're not going to have that just by coming on the scene and discovering the bodies afterward. Maybe if you're doing CPR, there's a certain kind that can come out of their mouth. But initially, it was apparently all over the shirt. Mm -hmm. Then what's come out in this trial is very strange. Defense has somehow proven that the prosecution lied or that this expert lied. This expert initially said that there was nothing found on the shirt and then went and met with somebody high up in law enforcement. And then after that meeting comes back and now suddenly there's something on the shirt. Well, here's the biggest problem. The defense doesn't have the shirt to test. Apparently there were so many chemicals all over the shirt. It was just destroyed. So they can't even test the shirt for blood spatter or anything else. It's just completely, it's been tainted. And this is kind of an issue in this case that I have is it's sad this this trial is going on so long and perhaps it even ended up in a trial because law enforcement did a really bad job with this investigation, everyone. it's There are so many things. I'm just going to save you all time. I won't get in all of it, but they put sheets on the bodies rather than tarps. And everybody knows you, you got to put tarps. And by now, everybody should be doing that. The sheets, it, it contaminates things. So you're not preserving all the evidence. Apparently, they didn't gather all of the evidence that was there on site. As a matter of fact, they don't even go into the main home when they get there, right? They just, they tell all the other, because all of these other people are now on scene that aren't supposed to be on scene. We know this happens sometimes, especially if you've got a family like this where Alex going to call his brothers and all his friends, law partners, Everybody's probably going to show up at the scene right away before law enforcement or with law enforcement, because let's face it, law enforcement knows this family. And what do you think happens, Chris? We got people treading all over the crime scene. Yeah, it happens way too often, especially in this day and time, but still happens way too often. And it's something that we in law enforcement, we need to be very careful in what we do, because those questions will always come up. And especially in a case such as this, there's such a heinous, horrendous murder where a mother and a child are murdered and you still have these lingering questions. And these are things that you just can't fix unless you fix them on the crime scene before they ever happen. People coming on the crime scene, that's something that you can't control. It's something that you can control once you get there, but before you get there. Right, before you get there. And that's the problem, too, these small town murders also. It's not even the people getting there before. It's also while you're there. Maybe Mm -hmm. you just 
you just all know one another. You're the good old boys club. You're not telling the other person, hey, you got to leave. Yeah. 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 And so what they do is they send all these people up to the house mm-hmm. and they, they have them take Alec away up to the house. But nobody's gone into the house. Nobody's looked at it. I think the brother testified. No law enforcement had even gone into the house to make sure the perpetrator wasn't there. They just mm-hmm. told everybody, go up to the house and wait there as they continued the investigation. And one of the issues is, I'm sure you would like to know, what's one way, if you're looking at somebody who is a husband and he looks all clean in his clothing and he doesn't have really anything on him, but he's possibly a suspect, what are you going to do as law enforcement? What are some areas you're going to check for blood? There are two things that I'm going to do. Number one, we're going to lock down that house. Because wherever he changed, it may have been inside of that house. So that house now becomes a part of that crime scene. We're going to lock down all of his vehicles. We're going to lock down everywhere that he says specifically that he went throughout this time. Even the parents' house. I know he went to his mom and dad's house. We're going to lock down that house also and obtain search warrants or get permission to search those houses to make sure that there is no evidence or eliminate those areas as being a part of the crime scene. Mm-hmm. There, there's a lot of stuff that you have to do as a homicide investigator, especially on a case like this. Oh, my God. And we know that, once again, from the beginning, they didn't initially that night suspect him, but he's the person who found the body. You're going to want to go check the shower, drains, mm-hmm. all of that. Try to get any evidence you can to see if anything has been cleaned. Because going back to the issue of the shirt, the shirt actually didn't have blood spatter. So that was all false. It didn't have it. And according to the expert's reports, his first report said it was negative for any human blood. And it was changed later. And I don't know what his explanation for this on the stand was, but he really could not defend it. So at this point, I'm pretty sure that the prosecution is dropping that altogether. And that could have been the only direct evidence they had in this case, but it does seem like they are going to just leave that. I think the state is keen to essentially abandon this blood spatter theory, in my right. opinion. I just saw it on the news, the, the fact that he supposedly changed his clothes or he had on a different set of clothing during the video than he did when law enforcement came and picked him up. And it was just a matter of hours that he had just changed his clothes. Their theory is that he changed. That's why they're saying there isn't any blood on him. And there is a video from earlier that day. It's a Snapchat video that Paul did. And see, Paul was on his phone a lot. Right. That is pretty normal. He's 22 years old. But in the Snapchat video, he's wearing like a blue button-up shirt with some khaki pants. And then later that night, we know he's just wearing a white T-shirt with khaki shorts. So prosecution's theory is that he would have had blood spatter on him and that he went and showered and changed. And when he left the property got rid of that evidence. I still think it's all circumstantial. Do you think it might be difficult to get every single juror to vote guilty? It mm-hmm. just takes one and one person might say, hey, maybe there's explanations for him lying about his whereabouts or the time frame. Maybe there's explanations for all of this. I don't know. It just takes one. And I do think that the case has been mainly on not just the circumstantial evidence, but his bad character. And ultimately, anytime you have a case that's just built on bad character, I don't think it's a really strong case. Now, does he have real bad character? Yeah. I mean, he admits to it. He's actually a little sympathetic talking 
about his own addictions on the stand. He took mm-hmm. the stand in this case, everyone. And I've said it over and over as a defense attorney. You don't want to put your client on the stand. That's not something you ever want to do. But in this case, I can't blame them. He yeah. really had to get up there. He really had to explain what his mindset has been the past few years as to why he was stealing from all these people, how bad the drug addiction was. He really had a lot to explain because a lot of evidence has come in and it's highly prejudicial. I mean, the fact that he tried to set up his own death or uh, that's still unclear. Was he actually trying to get killed or was he just trying to get injured? Who knows? But all of that has come into the trial. And so you need to know what are you thinking? Mm -hmm. What's going on? Because they are looking for some kind of motive. And I don't know, Chris, unfortunately, I think addiction is enough of a motive for people and stealing and all of that. It's desperation. Right. Think about where this case is taking place at. And it's a small town, South Carolina. So when you talk about drug addictions and you talk about people of bad character, it, it doesn't play well in courts like that at all. So like Bible Belt. Bible Belt, you know, Bible thumping type mm-hmm. courtrooms and things of that nature, areas of, of, of the country, you know. Yeah, so I don't know. I feel like even with some of the things that you brought up, and you brought up some very interesting points, I don't think that it's fair. And correct me if I'm wrong, did any, no one testified about the, the high-velocity blood spatter, am I correct? They just, or did they mention it? Because I saw well, some they, test- I mean, Yeah, what, what they basically, I mean, the defense brought up that, in fact, there wasn't any. Right. Okay. Yeah, they did. A, I think they did a decent job on cross-examination of this expert. Uh, uh, Bevel. Bevel mm-hmm. was his name. And um, yeah, I mean, they did their job when they basically caught him in a lie. Mm-hmm. I had heard that perhaps Bevel didn't do that great on the stand because uh, his mother had passed away the day before. Really? Um, so oh. I'm sure that... Uh, that affects that, you. that could have played a played mm-hmm. a role, but but the truth is out there that there there wasn't any blood spatter on that shirt that mm-hmm. they initially retrieved. Wow, wow, you know this this is going to be a, an interesting verdict to say the least. I'm anticipating, I'm anticipating a long. I don't know. I maybe I'll be wrong. As a defense attorney, sometimes my opinion is skewed because in my head, I'm creating all these arguments. I'm going, there's no way they're just going to go in and then vote guilty. But I do think it's going to be a long deliberation. I am mm-hmm. I am going to predict there's just one person holding out saying, look, this is all circumstantial. We just, we're just giving this guy a hard time. He's a man of privilege and he was an addict and he stole from people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, what's going to make him go and kill his wife and his son? Why do that? You know, and maybe even say, you don't know how you would act in a situation where you've just found your son and your wife killed. You may get the timeline wrong. You may get the order of things wrong. Who knows? But all it takes is that one. And I'm going to predict that there's a holdout for a while. Right. And just so everybody knows, if it does take a long time, that's a good sign for the defense. It is. The defense it always is. wants it to take a long time. Mm-hmm. That means somebody's arguing in there. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But on the prosecution side, we, you know, we want to go in there and let them close the door in 15 minutes, come back out with a verdict. That's... I think it's really going to depend on these closings. I yeah. am, I'm excited to watch these closings because everybody opens a case 
And basically, when you're doing your opening, you say a lot, a lot of things. The evidence is going to show this. The evidence is going to show this. And you're hoping that's what the evidence is going to show. But throughout the trial, some of those things, they may they may fail. And right. you can't, you're not going to be able to bring them in the closing. So you're not going to be able to prove what you argued in the beginning you were going to prove. And mm -hmm. so it all comes down to these closings as far as what the evidence, you know, putting a nice little bow on what the right. evidence did show. I think both sides are doing a, a really great job. Obviously, prosecution is like every little detail because it's all circumstantial. So that's mm -hmm. why this case has taken so long right. because they are not letting any any tiny little thing go. I, I think I had talked about how they were even on him about what were the last words he had said. Like, what words did he use when he initially left them at the kennel and went back to the house? Did, did you say bye? Did you say you were going to your parents? And he couldn't remember. And they're like, you don't remember? And right. and I see what they're playing. Like, you don't remember the last words you said to your family after, you know, the next time you see them, they're dead. And you automatically start putting yourself in those shoes, right? Gosh, do I remember the last thing I said to someone? Um, and you start judging based on your own experience. So I think the prosecution is doing a great job of kind of painting these pictures for the jury. Like, this is this doesn't smell right. right. But the defense, for the most part, they've, they've done a great job on focusing on a horrible investigation. Also focusing on the fact that it's two guns. And they had to have been shot so close in time. So it was two perpetrators. That's mm -hmm. a really big deal for them throughout the trial that it's just not one person committing this crime. I'm sure there were a lot of people in town, sadly, who wanted some revenge, especially on Paul. Yeah. Right. Paul was still going through the trial, the, the death of Mallory Beach. The family definitely wanted accountability from mm -hmm. him because now he's gone and, and it's sad he's murdered, but they didn't get that accountability while he was alive. Right. And so it, it pissed off a lot of people. And Maggie, I mean, who who knows? They were both together at the same time. There does seem to be a motive for other people, but I'll agree it's going to be really difficult to overcome the timeline, the lies and inconsistent statements about the whereabouts. You just, I'm not saying you got to be smarter and just don't kill people, but don't kill people because you're you, these these are the small little things that are going to come into play in a trial and no you may not have blood on you and you may not have left your fingerprint somewhere but oh, all those other things we'll see if it's enough we're going to see yeah. in this case it's been a month mm -hmm. so i'm kind of excited not to hear about it anymore but i'm real curious what's going to happen and I am too, as we all should be. We should all all be listening and tuning into this case because it, it's very interesting, to say the least. You have, I mean, it almost reads like a freaking script. Isn't it. this like a movie? Obviously, they're going to be making. They're going to be making a movie. It's I'm like, sure. This is just something out of a movie, and right. I want him to be found not guilty because I want him to be not guilty because mm -hmm. I cannot imagine. That you as a father, no matter how much of a jerk or what kind of kid your son was, and we know he had a reputation, that doesn't matter. That is your, that is your Just child. Your I child. cannot imagine he would put a gun to his head. I just don't even want to think about that. But, but we'll see. We'll see what ends up happening. I would love to, to be in that deliberation room and hopefully we can find out something afterward. A lot of times the, the jurors like to, come forward and talk a little bit about that experience in there but everybody's watching and we'll give you all an update on our social media for sure when everything comes out but 
now that you know all the facts, I'm sure you'll be a little more invested by the time this verdict comes out. And there you have it, family. Another interesting episode of the Crime and Cookie Juice podcast with your host, Detective Chris Anderson. And attorney Fatima Sola. Join us again next week. We'll bring to you another interesting case. Maybe something with this case. Who knows? On the Crime and Cookie Juice podcast, where we'll have more crime. And more cookie juice. Take care, guys. All right, everyone. Stay safe. Bye. Bye.